Hey there, if you are ready to build your service-based business from scratch and ditch your nine to five, then I want you to head on over to shedidherwaypodcast.com forward slash leap and download my free ultimate leap checklist and starter kit. Again, you can head to shedidherwaypodcast.com forward slash leap to download my ultimate leap checklist and starter kit to get started on building your service-based business and ditching your nine to five. Hello and welcome to She Did It Her Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you launch a business that allows you the freedom to create from anywhere, design your own schedule in a way that supports you, and pursue what it is that lights you up. I'm Amanda Bolin, your host, and it is time to do it your way. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to express my gratitude and appreciation for all y'all who have left amazing reviews on iTunes. I sincerely appreciate it. You have no idea how much it means to me and what it means to She Did It Her Way, especially if you guys aren't familiar with how things work on iTunes and and ratings is that every time you leave a review, it helps so that the podcast can move up in search ranks. So other women and other individuals who are on this journey of starting their own business can then discover She Did It Her Way. So Thank you so much for leaving your review. I'm going to read this week's review from Hi There. It says, have your journal with you. I recently caught up on four episodes on my long flight and luckily had my journal handy. I filled pages upon pages with new inspiration for my job and side hustle. Amanda chooses phenomenal guests and topics that target every audience, even If the topic may not apply to you, there's always a takeaway. Also, I love Amanda's solo cast. They're short, sweet, and everything we need to hear. So thank you to the individual who left that there. It just says hi there. So I'm going to say hi back. Um, If you haven't done or left a review, I would so appreciate it. I love reading these. These mean so much to me. And like I said, it helps other women who are also on this journey of launching their own business find uh, the stories and inspiration from the podcast, whether it's through solo cast or stories and interviews from other women. So now on to today's show. Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. You are tuning in. We are in the final month of 2018. Like, holy crap. Can I just say that? What the heck is going on? I mean, it literally went by in a blink of an eye and I don't even have kids. I hear it speeds up when you have kids. So I can't even imagine exactly how fast it's going to go, which really leads me to today's topic. And I'm so excited to dive into it because it is all about being essential and the discipline pursuit of less. And especially as we're coming down on 2018 and we're moving into 2019, Really, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you, especially I have, I even started thinking about my goals and the vision for 2019 back in September and October. And um, some of you maybe haven't thought about it. Maybe you kind of already, you feel overwhelmed right now. Some of you have thought about it, but regardless of where you're at, one of the key, key subjects and key topics, um, and also I think um, like system and skill to have is deciphering, okay, what is essential in my life and what is not essential? And um, I definitely have wanderlust when it comes to the new year because it is an opportunity to start a new, make changes, set goals, ride the momentum of the new year approaching and allow us to let go of habits and thoughts and potentially people, did I just say that? What? Who don't serve a better version of ourselves. 
a higher version of ourselves and the life that we're creating and the life that we desire to create. And so I really want to ride this natural rhythm of our life with winding down 2018 and ramping up 2019 by bringing to you a topic, a podcast episode about essentialism. And in because of this topic, I'm going to lean on one of my favorite books, all-time favorite books by Greg McEwen, who is the author of Essentialism, The Dis- Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And I read this book when it first came out, I want to say in 2014. So of course, I was really excited to revisit it and pull out excerpts and talk about Greg's teachings in his book. So if you haven't already read Essentialism, I highly recommend to do so. It is one of my absolute favorites. So in this episode, we're going to cover the mindset of what it means to be an essentialist and then dive into how can we get there. But first of all, let's start off about the importance of being an essentialist and the difference of being essentialist and a non-essentialist can be thought of like this. I want to make it really easy. So in your mind, I want to want you to visualize a sheet of paper and there are two circles. Uh, one circle on the left side and one circle on the right side. Each circle represents a ball of energy. The circle on the left has arrows coming from the circle, pointing outward all around the circles. So arrows are going everywhere, all around the circle. The circle on the right has just one arrow coming from the center of the circle on the right. The non-essentialisms or non-essentialist is the one on the left that exerts his or her energy in all different directions to represent what Greg calls the trivial many versus the essentialist on the right distinguishes the trivial distinguishes from the trivial many from the vital few. And so instead of exerting energy into many different directions, how can you define the vital few in your life and invest your energy more intentionally to get the vital few that you want to accomplish in 2019 done? And so the essentialist lives by design, not by default. The essentialist has a very disciplined, systematic approach for determining where her highest point of contribution lies. Now, being an essentialist does not mean that we disconnect from the internet. It does not mean that we go back into the Stone Age. It means that we follow a mindset approach of less but better. And how can we cut through the noise and move towards accomplishing the goals that we set by executing on the things that are essential in order to accomplish our goals. In an upcoming episode, we're going to talk about creating your life vision and creating your goals for 2019. So we're going to discuss that. But what I want is I want to set the stage with having a mindset on how to discern what is essential and what is not essential and really break some limiting beliefs about thinking that we have to say yes to everything and thinking that we have to do it all. And how can we change our mindset and the questions that we ask ourselves to shift from a non-essential mindset to an essential mindset? Because if everything's important, nothing's important. And my friend, 2019, like this is your year. You deserve everything that it is that you want to create and that you want to have. I promise you. And one of the first steps of doing that and making that happen is clearing out the clutter just as if you were to clear out the clutter of your closet and go through and eliminate the stuff that has been there for years that you haven't worn and is taking up space. Being an essentialist is about eliminating the noise, the clutter, 
all the things that we have said yes to in the past because we don't want to disappoint someone or we don't want to feel bad. Being an essentialist is about knowing where it is you're going, having the vision and clearing space to execute on that vision and showing up most importantly for yourself. So living the essential way is by a design. It's not by default. It's about having and being very disciplined and having a systematic approach for determining where your highest contribution lies. If you find yourself saying yes to everything and no to nothing and making everything a priority, then you lose the front spot for being the priority, which is the most important. And when you can be essential, you are giving your highest contribution to this world when you know how you are showing up and where your passion and purpose lies. First, I'm going to share with you some of the differences between an essentialist and a non-essentialist and the way that they each think, what they do, and what they get. So hopefully as you're tuning in, you're driving to work, or maybe you're on a train, I don't, what, maybe you're working out. I love that. I love listening to podcasts while working out because I'm like, yes, I'm going to run harder. I'm going to run faster. I'm going to lift harder weights. So as I'm sharing some of the differences, you might find yourself saying, oh my gosh, I think that, or no, no, I think I'm good on that. Nope. Okay. Oh, yep. That's where I'm an essentialist. Oh yeah. That's where I'm a non-essentialist. So this isn't about judging yourself. This is about becoming aware and saying, oh, okay, there's an opportunity to change. So this is a completely judgment-free zone. Then I'm going to go into the steps that Greg lists out on how being essential is the disciplined pursuit of less. And it starts with exploring and evaluating and then going into elimination. And then the last part is execution. Because if we don't determine what is essential in our life and prioritize it, someone else will. Your dreams will pass by with each day. Procrastination will set in and you'll tell yourself that there is always tomorrow. Guess what, my friend? We don't know if there is a tomorrow. Why are we waiting to take action on our dreams and become the person that we always wanted to be or always knew that we were? And how can we take action and eliminate the non-essential? So let's get in, my friends. Here we are. So the difference, I'm going to, like I said, share some of the differences between how a non-essentialist and an essentialist think what they do, and what they get. So a non-essentialist thinks all things to all people. They oftentimes think, oh, I have to, or it's all important. How can I fit it all in? Versus the essentialist is all about less but better. The essentialist knows that they are choosing to do something. It's not that they have to. They reclaim the power of choice. If you find yourself in a mindset of thinking that you have to do anything, I want you to stop. And I want you to change the have to to I choose to because the first piece is changing your language. Even if you don't believe it, even if you really, really think that you have to do something, get yourself to change that and say, I choose to. Yes, there will be consequences if you don't do something, if you don't pay your taxes, if maybe you don't ever clean your place, or if you don't put your child down for a nap. You don't have to do it, but there will be consequences. But owning the fact that you get to choose it will help you in a baby step, in a small way, reclaim personal power. Essentialists also, only a few things really matter. They know what it is that matters and they choose them intentionally. And they also identify what are the trade-offs. By doing X, 
What am I giving up? Every time I say yes to one thing, I'm indirectly saying no to another thing. A non-essentialist thinks that I can do both and asks, how can I do it all? Where an essentialist asks, again, what's a trade-off that I have to make? And what can I go big on? And so reclaim your power of choice, my friends. That is the big step here in this one. Now, that's what the non-essentialists and essentialists think. Let's go into the do. So the non-essentialists, they do the undisciplined pursuit of more. They react to what is most pressing. They say yes to people without really ever thinking. And we can get into, we'll get into that in a little bit about why we react to saying yes immediately and automatically. What are some underlying causes of that? And they try to force execution at the last moment. The essentialist is on the discipline pursuit of less. They pause to discern what really matters. They say no to everything except the essential, which happens to be, they say no to 90, at least 90% of the things that come across their plate. And they remove obstacles to make execution easier. That's what they do. Now, based on what non-essentialists and essentialists think, and they do, here's what they get. The non-essentialist lives a life that does not satisfy. Why? They tend to take on too much and their work suffers. They feel out of control. They tend not, they tend not to reach the goals that they have set out because they have lost focus. They're unsure of whether the right things got done and they feel overwhelmed and exhausted. So again, my friends, as you're listening to this, if you are finding yourself going, oh my gosh, that's me. Because even as I'm revisiting this book that I read years ago, I'm like, oh wow, okay, yeah, I can improve here. This is a judgment-free zone. This is all about getting better, whether it is an inch or a mile. And it is about moving forward and becoming aware and saying, how can I do this differently next time? How can I get better? Even if it's just a little bit. Now, the essentialist, because they think what they think and they do what they do, they get a life that really matters. They choose carefully in order to do great work. They feel in control. They get the right things done and they have space to experience the joy along the journey. Now, most of us by default without being conscious have probably found ourselves in the non-essentialism focused brain. And we found ourselves in the undisciplined pursuit of more. And part of that is a byproduct from our environment. There's a lot of social pressure. It's not just the number of choices that has increased exponentially. It is also the strength and the numbers of outside influences on our decisions that has increased. While much more can be said and written about how hyperconnected we now are and how distracting this information overload can be, the larger issue is how our connectedness has increased the strength of social pressure. We've also had a social pressure of the idea that you can have it all and the idea that we can have it all. This myth has been peddled for so long. Virtually everyone alive today is infected with it. It's sold in advertising, especially for us women. It is championed in corporations. It's embedded in job descriptions. What is new is how especially damaging this myth is today in a time when choice and expectations have increased exponentially. This results in stressed people 
trying to cram yet more activities in their already overscheduled lives. We convince ourselves that we have to be everything to everyone, that we have to show up and we can't host a house or a party with store-bought food. I know I have felt that. I have felt tremendous shame when having people over and if I just order food versus if I don't, if I cook it. Again, is it essential? Is it making it closer towards our goal that we want to achieve? How can we let go of it? How can we cut through the noise? Let's get into the first part about transitioning from a non-essential to an essential mindset. And the first piece is about exploring. So how can we discern the trivial many from the vital few in our life? And a paradox of essentialism is that essentialists actually explore more options than their non-essentialist counterparts. Non-essentialists get excited by virtually everything and thus react to everything. But because they're so busy pursuing every opportunity and idea, they actually explore less. And I love this example because of a couple different things, especially if you are someone that's tuning in and you're thinking about your business or you have a side hustle, or even if you are already a business owner, this is a great example and I apply it to myself all the time, that in the beginning stages, It's a lot of trial and error. It's throwing things up against the wall, especially if you don't know what type of business you want to start. But what we do is we buffer with procrastination on not taking any action because it's uncomfortable. And so here, what Greg is saying is to say that as an essentialist, we create systems. And so if you have ideas about what you want to explore, what business you want to create, and you can do this with anything in any stage of business and life that you're at, if you're tuning in and maybe you don't even have a business, How can you limit the number of options, let's say to five different types of business ideas that I'm going to explore and I'm going to give myself three months to adequately explore these business ideas. And then after three months, I'm making a decision. My friend, by doing something like that, you just set a system in place. You just became an essentialist. You said, what are my ideas? I'm limiting it to five and I'm making a decision And by the making that decision, I can move forward and I can then commit and go big with that one thing versus trying to push multiple initiatives forward. How can we focus on vital few versus trivial many? This is where the essentialist will explore more options at first to ensure that they pick the right one later versus saying yes to everything without even thinking about it and then finding ourselves committed to so many different things that then later on frustrate us because we don't have time to do them and then we feel overwhelmed. Can I get an amen? I mean, we all do this, right? But why do we do it? And so how can we identify it and make better decisions next time? So if you believe being overly busy and overextended is evidence of productivity, then you probably believe that creating space to explore, think, and reflect should be kept at a minimum. Yet these activities of exploring, thinking, and reflecting are the antidote to the non-essentialist busyness that infects so many of us. Rather than trivial diversions, they are critical to distinguishing what is actually a trivial diversion and what is truly essential. So the goal is to spend as much time as possible exploring, listening, debating, questioning, and thinking and not use it necessarily as an end in itself. The purpose of the exploration 
is to discern the vital few from the trivial many. We have to give ourselves space to journal what is that vision for ourselves in 2019. At the end of 2019, how do we envision ourselves? How do we envision our our business? Because if we don't take time to do that, it's never going to get done. And that is essential, my friend, to becoming the better version of yourself and to building your business and to getting what it is that you want and creating a life that you desire. While exploring, we have to focus and we need to escape to focus. We need to create space to concentrate. And so no matter how busy you think you are, you can carve time and space to think out of your workday every day, even if it's 15 minutes to carve out space, think about your day, even right away when you wake up, spend 30 seconds thinking about how you want your day to unfold, giving yourself permission and space to think. Let's continue with the example that if you're thinking about starting a business and you're not sure where exactly you want to start, but you have all these ideas and you give yourself, you limit them to five, five different ideas that you're going to explore over a period of time. Let's say three months. You want to pay attention to the signal in the noise and the things that you come across. You want to hear what is actually not being said. And you want to scan to find the essence of the actual information that's being given to you versus a non-essentialist would pay attention to the loudest voice or the loudest thing that comes in front of them that stands out. They hear everything that's being said and they tend to be overwhelmed by the information, which again, I know, especially even with social media, that it's overwhelming and sometimes you have to filter that and you have to give yourself permission to turn it off so that you can create space and remove the noise. So as you're exploring, filter for the fascination and allow yourself to actually discern what's what's there that's not being said versus just defaulting to what is being the loudest piece of noise as well. So regardless, let's say we're not necessarily exploring a business idea, but we are in this exploration phase. And it's about having a rule that I talked about earlier. For example, the 90% rule. Saying that, for example, we say no to 90% of the things that come across our plate so that we can use the, we can say yes to the rest of the the 10%, the essential piece of it, and how we can get more clear and more focused and being okay with saying no and being selective. Because if it isn't a clear yes, then it is a clear no. An opportunity is always, always going to knock. It's up to us as we continue throughout our business and life to really understand and have the have the confidence to politely and gracefully pass on an opportunity because it's more important for us to focus on the 10% that is essential. As we move out of the exploration phase and move into the eliminate phase, this is important because it's not just enough for us to say, huh, like going back to the closet example. Let's say we took an entire afternoon and we cleaned out our closet and we had a pile of keeping and a pile of I should donate this. It's not enough just to keep those two piles separate. We actually have to eliminate the I should donate this, which is like, for being honest, oh my God, sometimes it pains my heart because I'm like, I haven't really worn this in a year but I love it and I want to keep it. And then I have to remind myself that I haven't worn it in a year. Is it essential in my closet? And for me, again, it's all a personal uh, journey on that one. But I think 
all of us tuning in and listening, I would bet that you guys have cleaned out your closet and know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. But it isn't enough to simply determine which activities and efforts don't make the best possible contribution to the essential. You have to actively eliminate those that do not. And what we're going to talk about is getting rid of those old, like getting rid of the clothes that that's not easy, getting rid of the habits that aren't easy, getting rid of the non-essential pieces and parts of our life. So obviously, and of course, finding the discipline to say no to opportunities, often very good opportunities that come your way in work and life is infinitely harder than throwing out old clothes in your closet. But find it, you must, because remembering, remember that anytime you fail to say no to a non-essential, you are really saying yes by default. So once you have sufficiently explored your options, the question you should be asking yourself is not what of my list of competing priorities should I say yes to? Instead, ask the essential question of what will I say no to? This is the question that will uncover your true priorities. It is the question that will reveal the best path forward for your life and your business. It is the question that will uncover your true purpose and help you make the highest level of contribution, not only to your own goals, but to the mission of your business and life and the people around you. Again, it's not what of my list of competing priorities should I say yes to. Instead, it is asking the essential question of what will I say no to? Think about that. Wherever you are tuning into this episode, when will be the next time you say no to something? And notice what it is you're saying yes to and what it is you're saying no to because that is where your values lie. And more importantly, when you say no to something, that is drawing a line in the sand that it is not essential and it is not part of you achieving your goals. Part of eliminating the non-essential is getting really good at and daring to use the word no and doing it in a graceful way. And Greg gives a lot of examples in his book about how you can say no and to consistently say no with grace. Then it helps to have a variety of responses to call upon. Here are some of the examples that Greg provides in his book. So that way you'll have them if you do decide to pick up his book. So one of them is the awkward pause. Instead of being controlled by the threat of an awkward silence, own it. Use it as a tool. When a request comes to you, obviously this works only if you're in person. Just pause for a moment, count to three before delivering your verdict, or if you get a bit more bold, simply wait for the other person to fill the void. Number two, the soft no or the no but. Um, Greg says that I recently received an email inviting me to coffee. I replied, I am consumed with writing my book right now, but I would love to get together once the book is finished. Let me know if we can get together towards the end of the summer. Email is also a very good way to start practicing saying no but because it gives you the chance to draft and redraft your no to make it as graceful as possible. Plus, many people find that the distance of email reduces the fear of awkwardness. Another one is let me check with my calendar and get back to you. One leader I know found her time being hijacked by other people all day. A classic non-essentialist, she was capable and smart and unable to say no. And as a result, she soon became the go-to person. People would run up to her and say, could you help me with X project? 
meaning to be a good citizen, she said yes. But soon she felt burdened with all of these different agendas. Things changed for her when she learned to use the new phrase, let me check my calendar and get back to you. It gave her time to pause and reflect and ultimately reply that she was regretfully unavailable. It enabled her to take back control of her decisions rather than being rushed into a yes when she was asked. Number four, use email bounce backs. It is really natural and um, it is natural and totally expected to get an auto response when someone is traveling or out of the office. And really, this is the most social acceptable no there is. People aren't saying they don't want to reply to your email. They're just saying they can't get back to you for a period of time. So why limit these to just vacations and holidays? Um, I can echo on that. I There's times in my business when I definitely use out-of-office responders when I know that I'm working on a priority or a project and putting things together that may delay my response time up to at least a week, if not more than that. And so using autoresponders has really helped me set the expectation. Initially, when I use them, I used to feel guilty that I was sending a autoresponse back to someone else's email. Then as you learn, or I learned in that phrase, like learning not to feel guilty about setting my boundaries and setting expectations with other people. And in turn, actually, it's okay that they get a bounce back. And in reality, the net value of me communicating my timeline is more important than them having to necessarily delete an extra email out of their inbox. Hey friends, I want to give a shout out to today's podcast sponsor and that is Shopify. Shopify is a leading commerce platform that wants to make sure you're not alone in your entrepreneurial journey. From free training courses to help you get started to their award-winning 24-7 support, Shopify is a true partner to independent business owners around the world, including some of our previous guests on the show like Linda Sollyherd and Julie Ciardi and others. Shopify has a free training academy to help you build and grow a profitable business. And because you're a She Did It Her Way listener, they are giving you a free 28-day trial. To take advantage, all you have to do is head to www.shopify.com forward slash her way to receive your free 28-day trial. Head to www.shopify.com, that's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y.com forward slash her way. Offer expires February 28th, 2019. Another part of when you're in the um, elimination phase is also to consider limiting things and giving yourself freedom to set boundaries. This has been extremely helpful um, in thinking about what am I going, what type of constraints and limitations and boundaries am I going to set in order to actually gain freedom on the back end. A non-essentialist thinks that if you have limits, you will be limited and they see boundaries as constraining and exerts effort attempting the direct no. So essentialists though, if you think about it, they know that if you have limits, you will actually become limitless. And by putting constraints on certain areas in your life and creating rules and systematic approach actually gives you more freedom on the other end. And they see boundaries as liberating and set rules in advance that eliminate the need for the direct no and setting boundaries ahead of time. A simple example of this is let's say you are choosing not to have alcohol when you are in a social environment or you know that you have a party or like a holiday party coming up, but you don't want to find yourself in a hungover state the morning of your holiday party. You may set the rule in advance and make the decision and choice 
to limit yourself to X amount of drinks, maybe two drinks, three drinks, whatever that might be. Or you may make the binary decision to say, I'm not drinking today, but you make it ahead of time and you put those constraints because by not allowing yourself to feel hungover in the morning, you're actually creating more freedom for you on the back end. And again, these choices and decisions and what people and what you believe is essential in your life is going to be different from one person to the next. And it's super vital and super important that you are making these constraints and decisions for yourself, not for anyone else, not because you think you should do a constraint in this way or should make a decision. It's about your decision. And the last piece is the execute. So how can we make doing the vital few things almost effortless? And this ties into a little bit of what I was saying before and setting the proper systems to make that happen. But there are two ways thinking about execution. And the non-essentialists tend to force execution. Essentialists invest the time they have saved by eliminating the non-essentials into designing a system to make execution almost effortless. So we talked about how life can resemble an overly full closet and how essentialists would approach organizing it. We talked about how if you want your closet to stay tidy, you need a regular routine of tidying that up. And you also need to have one large bag for items you need to throw away and a very small pile for items you want to keep. And you need to know the drop-off location and hours of your local thrift store. And you need to have a scheduled time to go there. So in other words, once you've figured out which activities and efforts to keep in your life, you have to have a system for executing them. You can't wait until the closet is bursting at the seams and then take superhuman efforts to purge it. You have to have a system in place so keeping it neat becomes routine and effortless. It is human nature to want to do easy things, and we always want to take the path of least resistance. So if we have a system set up, it becomes effortless. This is a what this is how a proven process leads to predictable results. When we set the process in play, process up, we know that we are going to get a specific outcome. I know that when I get regularly eight hours of sleep, I tend to be a little bit more jolly. And so the process is, is that if I get eight hours of sleep, I'll be a little bit more jolly if I get a workout in. So we all have our own processes, whether it's to us specifically in our life or habits and routines that we we create. We all have these processes and it's about learning to execute the right things, the essential things um, as easy and frictionless as possible. And so When we go to execute, one of the things is making sure that we include buffers. If we think it's going to take us 30 minutes to get a task done, we can use a multiplier, um, let's say one and a half times, and give ourselves 45 minutes to get it done. Let's say if you anticipate it takes you 15 minutes to get somewhere, you can give yourself a buffer and multiply it by one and a half and give yourself anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes. I tend to give myself a buffer of almost two times for the multiplier, depending upon what it is. If it's traveling and being in Chicago, I know traffic can change at the drop of a dime. I will give myself, if if my Google map says that it takes me 15 minutes, I will multiply it by two and give myself 30 minutes to get there. Same thing with um, getting a solo cast done. Oftentimes when I am writing the draft for the solo cast, it can take me anywhere from drafting the solo cast to doing research to creating the final format and then also recording it anywhere from three to five hours. Um, But I love it. It gives me energy when I get to do these. And so it's very naive of me to think that it's only going to be three hours. And instead, I would rather 
buffer my time and assume and be conservative that it's going to take longer than less time. It's like my husband. He even said for lunch today, he's like, well, um, I will be home no later than seven. And I was like, well, that's really late. That's uh, you went in early and now you're staying late. And he said, well, this way, if I tell you that I'm coming home at 7 p.m., which most likely I will be home earlier, he's like, that's going to be better than me saying I'm going to be home at six o'clock and you expected me at six o'clock and then I don't show. So he created his own buffer and expectations with me, which I love that. So creating and using buffers in the form of the execution is going to really help you give yourself some space, especially if you're not going to make yourself feel rushed and you can be very relaxed when you execute it as well. Know that it is 100% okay to subtract things from your routine, from your life, and bring forth a bring forth more by removing obstacles that might be in your way. If you find yourself having to make too many decisions on a particular topic or task, is there a way that you can create a system that automatically creates a default? I do this with shopping. I tend to stick to neutrals. They tend to be white, cream, black, gray, and a little bit of um, pink, but like pink more in a pastel pink. Sometimes I go off and I'll buy a color that isn't part of that scheme. And I find myself just wearing less of those clothes and I don't get the use out of it. So I know that a rule of thumb in my closet is to primarily stick to those neutrals and the pastel pink to make it easier. So that's a system that I have created. Um, And again, essentialist produces more and brings forth more by removing more instead of doing. And oftentimes I think that we... If something's not getting done or or we feel overwhelmed or busy, our default is to want to do more. And in reality, the question should be, what can I subtract from this, this situation? What can I eliminate next time so that I'm not finding myself in the same position? It's also about the power of small wins and progress. Doing something every day can, something small every day can add up to a large impact. The easiest and most simple example of this is brushing your teeth. It takes you two minutes in the morning, two minutes at night, but it really, really helps long-term with keeping healthy hygiene and also hopefully eliminating any additional cavities that ultimately cause more time down the road, more pain, and also is more costly in terms of the finances. So learning how can you create small wins every single day that will really help then put you in a flow and give you a routine. I know, um, Sometimes, you know, routines are routines are amazing and I love a really, really good routine. And sometimes it doesn't always fall into a routine just doesn't make sense, especially around holiday times. It's much harder to keep a routine. There still are some anchors is what I like to call them as a part of routine. But when we have the ability to find any sort of routine in our life that we can do on a daily basis, and it doesn't have to be this monstrous routine that takes us two hours every single morning and two hours before we go to bed, but something that we can take small wins and create routines in in our daily lives, especially you guys when it comes to, which we're going to talk about in upcoming shows about setting your vision and setting your goals for 2019 and creating the best version of yourself. And that might entail, I'm just thinking about someone who is working a corporate job that really wants to start their own business, like creating that vision and creating the goals and learning how we can celebrate the small wins along the way. And I don't think that I do, I can do much, much better job 
of doing those as well, but really leaning into that because that is progress and being able to witness and take time and space, again, an essentialist um, habit to really be present with that moment and celebrate how far we've come is truly amazing. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I've been doing a lot with um, what's going on, what she did at her way and what we have coming up for 2019. And I'm just really excited about the vision of the company. It's been a long time coming and nothing drastically is going to change. It's just for me personally, it's getting even more focused and more niched and showing up in ways that are more essential and choosing to go and focus with one main thing or a few vital things um, and not the trivial many. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed today's podcast episode. If you did, I would love for you. Um, like I said, I'm active on Instagram. You can also send an email. If you have any questions, you can send it to hello at she did it her way.com. My, um, the executive assistant, Jennifer checks all of those. So she will be in touch with you guys as well. But, um, let's just kick ass this last month. Like there's still plenty of time in 2018 and it's never, it's never too late to start over. And that is what a beautiful thing about a new day is that a new day is the first day of the rest of your life. And we have the immense opportunity and grace to be able to do that. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing week and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. For more information, check out sheditherherway.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. Until next time, keep doing it your way.